0: This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. All right, good morning, everybody. Oh, let's try that again. You guys need to have a little more pep. Did you guys have a good breakfast? Good morning, good morning. Let's try it one more time. Good morning, everybody. All right, I'm going to need your energy today. I'm going to step away from this because I have two mics going. I'm not trying to interfere with the camera either. My name is Sean Craig, and I'm really happy to be here, a part of the Mission Possible seminar. Um, But specifically, I'm really excited to be here um, presenting to you an introduction to health ministry. Um, My background, I've worked with missionary groups and specifically with a group, uh, Wildwood, as well as... Um, Lighting the World, the Lay Institute for Global Health Training, for the past eight or some odd years, uh, doing health evangelism, we traveled to different countries and taught different groups, and we raised up different health evangelism training schools, and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more in detail a little later. But today I'm really excited because health evangelism, health ministry is really exciting. When you think of health ministries, what do you think of? What comes to your mind? Let's do a timeout really quickly. This is gonna be interactive. This is the only way this kind of thing will work. Um, and I'm actually not gonna be up here for very long. I'm just getting the preliminary stuff out of the way and then we're gonna, I'm gonna get in there. So, when you think of health ministries, what do you think of? Fair. Health fair, what else? Chip Did you just... Chip, Chip, okay, I thought you said Chipotle for a second. I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> he, he couldn't have said that. No, that's not what he meant, okay. You said you said the CHIP program, lovely program, great program. What else? Medical, Medical yes, lovely answer. Patient care. Patient care, good, good, good. I love you guys, you guys are awesome. This is going to be a good group. These are all great answers. What I want to do today, I want to maybe take a step back. I think a lot of times when we look at health ministries, health evangelism, we kind of have a, and all the answers you gave are great, but we kind of have a boxed, approach to looking at it. And what I want to do, I want to kind of take a step back, make some big definitions, and kind of blow up the box and see what else we can put in. Well, not a box, but you know what I'm saying. Let's start with a word of prayer and let's jump right into the subject. Let's pray. Eternal Father, we want to say thank you for giving us another day of life. Lord, for your grace, your mercy, that you continually bestow upon us. And Father, we're here today because we want to learn from you, not from a person, not from a man, Not even from my experience, but Lord, from you. We're asking that your spirit would do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, being that this is the Mission Possible, I love the name, it's really, really catchy. Being that this is the Mission Possible seminar, I thought I would, before I jump into health evangelism, go into a quote or two with reference to, well mission possible let me let me go let me show you what i mean this is from evangelism page 122 and it says this let every worker in the master's vineyard study plan devise methods to reach the people where they are we must do something what does that say we must do something out of the common course of things we must arrest the attention interesting right we, we can't do the status quo. Let me show you something else. I think you're going to like this one. Another one. It says this, in the cities of today. Now, mind you, what, what does it say at the bottom of the screen? Testimonies to Church, Volume 9. That was written, does anyone, any, any super evidence here know the answer? 1909 about, roughly. It was written way, over, like a hundred some odd years ago. It says, in the cities of today, where there is so much to attract and police, This is before the iPhone. This is before, you can fill in the blank, social media, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you want to use today. In the cities of today where there is so much to attract and please, the people can be interested by no ordinary efforts. What did she have back then that was so exciting? The circus? Look at look what she says. Ministers of God's appointment will find it necessary to put forth extraordinary efforts in order to arrest the attention of the multitudes this is significant, I'm fine, thank you this is really significant because well, this is what we're doing in these sessions, we're talking about different avenues of ministering to God's people not just your traditional route, but let me move on, I want to show you something interesting now, on your screen you see nine dots, now who brought a pencil or or something to write with, who brought their Bible as well, you're probably going to need both um i want to do something here i want to do an experiment i want you to see if you can do this if you can take these these nine dots and connect them now you can only draw four lines how many lines you can only draw four lines and you can you cannot lift up your pen now this is where the camera people are going to be upset with me i'm going to move away from the camera but you can still hear me right Great, so you have to figure out, if you start here, you gotta I don't know, figure out how to, how to draw your box with covering every single line with only four lines. Does that make sense? That maybe sounded a little funny. That sounded funny to me, let me try it again. You need to draw, just draw, cover every dot in the box and with four lines without lifting up your pen. There it is. I'll give you 30 seconds, starting now. Anybody get it? Someone got it. Ooh, you got it too. All right, this was okay. I thought no one would get it, so I feel less. Okay, let me just let me see. How'd you get it? Who whoever did it? How'd you get it? You you have to project from your diaphragm. Ooh, look at you. Yes. So you did something like this, something like that? No, that doesn't look right to me. Uh, did you do something like this? Do, do, do. Did I miss it again? What am I doing? How'd you do it? <laughs> Here? That way? And then what else? Uh-huh. And you keep going? And then you do that? She did it. Now, I'm not I'm going to be very honest with you. I, I, saw, I read this in a book a couple years back, and I said, I'm going to put this in the presentation. And when I got up here, I, I almost forgot how to do it. I'm glad you figured it out. But what's interesting is what's interesting is to make this kind of thing work, you have to think... Oh, I missed a dot there, but you know what I meant. To make this kind of thing work, you have to think outside of the box. You can't be a box thinker. And let me show you something else here. Another, another little test to see if you can think outside of the box. The object of this test, this was a test done in the 50s, and they, said, they the, 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 the idea is, how would you fix that candle to the wall, light it, and make sure no wax hits the ground or the table? Go ahead. Oh, I'll, let me do it again. So how would, you, how would you put this candle, fasten it to the wall? Now, with the, the object you have here, you have a candle, you have a box of tacks, and you have matches. How would you fix this candle to the wall in such a way, whereas it does not drip wax to the floor once you light it? Oh, I almost fell. How? See, I'm just gonna go home because you guys got it. So this this is how you do it. This is most people when they when they're trying to figure this out, they take the tax, they stick it up, they stick the, the candle to the wall, and they try to figure something out. They never think to use the box itself, the box that, that holds the the tax. And this is a, 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 a bias, that mental bias that most people have called um, um, fixedness, object fixedness, that a thing is only meant to be a thing, the thing that it's used for. A hammer is only used to be a hammer. A screwdriver can only be a screwdriver, etc. That being said, when we're dealing with evangelism, I believe based on the previous quotes that we looked at, God is looking for us to think outside of the box. Can you say amen? All right, great. Great, great, great. Now, that, getting that out of the way, even though we're going to be looking at brand new concepts, hopefully brand new concepts, I really wanted to, to, to hammer home this key concept. And it is the fact that I'm not going to be telling you anything new today. And, and let, me, let me share with you why. It, it, there was a pastor. It's getting really loud around here, isn't it? There was a pastor in, uh, I forget where and I forget when, but he was a pastor, Brent, really brand new installed pastor to this church. And when he got to the church, he got up to preach his first sermon. Everyone's on edge. You know how it is when your new brand new pastor comes. Everyone's waiting. What's he gonna, how's he going to preach? How's he going to be? Is he going to be a great pastor? And he got up to speak his first sermon. And as he's getting ready to preach, everyone's ready. And he begins to preach. He opens up the Bible. He says, open your Bible to the 21st Psalm. He preaches the, all, the best sermon on the 23rd Psalm. He talks about the sheep. He talks about the shepherd. He talks about the river. He talks about the valley. He talks about everything in the 23rd Psalm that was just amazing for everyone. As they're leaving, you know how it is when you go to church, you, you, the, the, everyone walks out, the pastor shakes their hand. They're all shaking his hand. Thank you, pastor. Oh, that was great. And at Potluck, when they're, they're just so excited, they said, oh, that was a good sermon from the pastor. Wow, everyone's excited, talking about the pastor at Potluck in the best way possible, you know. And then after this, well, they're excited about next week. Wouldn't you be? I would be. So they, 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 they go to church the next week, and the pastor comes in there. Everyone's excited. Okay, what's the next sermon going to be like? Oh, man, it's going to be exciting. They get ready to listen to the sermon. He gets up behind the pulpit, and he says, Open with me your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm. And they're thinking, well, didn't we just do that? Yeah, we did that last week. But, okay, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's going to come from a totally new angle. Oh, this is going to be even better. Wow, 23rd Psalm, Great. So he begins to go verbatim, every illustration, every scripture, Every application, every single thing was exactly the same from the previous week. And they're wondering, what is this, what's wrong with this guy? Like, what's going on? And, and some of the older, you know, wonderful elders, you know how they are. They're like, thank you so, that was a great sermon. You know, they have to be compassionate. He just got, got out of, you know, seminary. He's like, yeah, yeah, good job, sir. And when, when they got down to, to the potluck and the pastor wasn't there for some odd reason, again, for the second week in a row, they, they, they were like, what, what happened to the pastor? Why wasn't he, why did he do the same exact sermon? And, and one of the nice older, uh, the, the first elder was like, well, you know, it's okay. He just got out of seminary. He got a brand new iPad. He probably mixed up the notes and he started the sermon. He had to keep going. It would look weird if he didn't. So it, it's fine. It's fine. Next week is going to be different. The next week he got up to preach and he, oh, he said, when he got behind the pulpit, open with me your Bibles to the guests. He said the exact same sermon the third time. Now the people in the back are like, no, oh, no, okay, no, I can't do this anymore. Not, not you in the back. I know you guys wouldn't do that. But he, he, they, they just got up and just couldn't do it. And at the end of the sermon, they wouldn't even look at him. They just kept on walking past him, looking like, at, yeah, "Thank you, sir. Thank you, pastor." And that potluck, they said, "First Elder, you need to handle this because this is this is just too much. We can't deal with the same sermon again. We're tired of sheep. No more sheep." And it, well, the first elder said, "Well, you're right. Let me talk to him." So. First elder went to the pastor's house and said, hey pastor you know we love you we think you're the the best pastor ever and and we love the way you deal with the, the members the children love you everyone loves you and you know pastor you're a wonderful speaker we love the sermon you've been giving and you know it's a great sermon i mean it's awesome sheep are really good but maybe next week no can we talk about goats there's a good verse about sheep and goats you know can we talk about something a little different next week and he says oh you have a problem with the sermon i've been preaching he says well I don't stop preaching a sermon until the church starts living the sermon, is what he said. Now, I say that to say this. I'm not saying that, that you are not living in some aspect of health evangelism or anything of that nature, but I don't, feel, I don't have any issues or problems with, with preaching something or sharing something that's been heard before. Actually, if you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. We're going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 15, we're going to take a look at verse 1. When you have it, say amen. Let me know by saying amen. Check this out. It says this. In in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Now, notice this. Is he sharing with them something they've never heard before? Look, look, Look at the verse. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I... It says, preached. Is that in the future tense, past tense? What, is, what tense is that? He says, I've already preached to you the gospel. I'm declaring it to you again. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. And notice this, verse 2 By which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Here's the concept of the text it's saying that it's okay to hear some things again and again and again. That being said, let's move on. Now, I want to do this. In order to, to, to deconstruct or understand a little bit better health evangelism, I think we should look at a few uh, key, key aspects of health evangelism. Number one, let's take a look at this. Oh, what am I doing here? I want to look at something really key about health evangelism. For one, it's made up of two words, health and, well, Evangelism. Now, help me out here. I want you to help me define one of the two phrases, one of the two parts. Let's define... Is it working? What is health? Now, this is where you talk. You said well-being. Okay, what else? Our condition. Good. What else? I love that answer. Okay. Let me do this. Let me, let, me, let me switch it up just a little bit. When I say the word health, we're going to do word picture association. When I say the word health, what image comes to mind? Or better, when I say the word happy, what image comes to mind? When I say the word angry, what image comes to mind? You said who? I thought you said, you, I keep getting thrown up. You said, first, I thought you said Chipotle, and then I thought you said something else. But okay, good. Angry face. Um, what other, when I say the word uh, school, what image comes to mind? But when I say the word health, what image comes to mind? That was way different than what I thought was happening. I heard salad. I heard apple. What else? Fruits. What else? Vegetables. Exercise. Now, can I be honest with you? Let me unbutton this so I can be really honest. When, when I go to churches to do health seminars or when I do any kind of health anything, and I get up to do the introductory thing. I ask them the same question, what is health? And they always say, well, health is like, you know, and I say, wait, never mind. Give me a picture, image. What do you, what do you get when you think of health? They say, well, health is like an apple or, or health is like a salad or health is like a, a, a piece of tofu and stuff, stuff like that. Or, you know, this is what they say. They say health is, and they always say health is equal to food. Is that, but, but, but isn't health more than food? I heard someone else say exercise. But, but check this out. If you are stuck in traffic, I'm from Atlanta, and so I get stuck in traffic. You know I'm from Atlanta. I get stuck in traffic all the time, all the time. And it's annoying because some days my commute, which should be a 10, 15-minute commute, turns into 35 minutes, 45 minutes. And when I'm sitting in my car, you know, I put on the Fernando Ortega, you know, trying to get, you know, find peace in my soul, and I'm just driving, and it's just... And what's happening in my heart? Not, not, my, not the medical physical, like your heart is your mind. No, not that one. But what is happening in my physical heart? The, my blood pressure is doing what? Now, is there anything happening to me physically that should be causing my blood pressure to go up? Did someone inject me with some, uh, some epinephrine? So, Did someone do anything to me physically? No, but my mental state is affecting my physical condition. Are you with me? And, and, and I read a study not too long ago where it's talked about cancer and, and cancer, uh, people who have cancer and how, how their, their cancer goes into remission versus people who have lots of guilt in their cancer and, and, and how, they, how their cancer goes into remission. The people who have lots of guilt, and they did a study, they, they said emotional guilt, do you feel bad about stuff in your life? Those who felt guilty about something tended to have higher or, excuse me, lower, lower what am I saying? They didn't go into remission as much. You, you're with me? Okay, good, I'm glad. So check this out. The idea then is that your guilt—if you feel guilty about something—if something is plaguing your mind or your soul—there there it is—when someone's plaguing that part, of, when something is plaguing that part of your body, your mind, it affects your body. So if your spiritual state affects your body and your mental state affects your body, then these are all connected. And I don't know where we got this idea where we can just take take the person and, and slice them up into categories. Well, that's the spiritual side of things, and that's the the emotional side of things, and that's the physical side of things, and they're all separate little entities. You're all together. So health is an all-together concept. Health deals with the whole person. So then, let me me do some applications to this. When you go to church and you listen to the preacher preach, is he preaching about health? Yeah. The pastor, every single... It's not just health day. Every single Sabbath, every single time you listen to a, a message that affects your soul, it affects your... Health, because health does not only equal food, health equals your entire well being. Are you with me? And if you have, like, if you're going through some stressful times, you need to call up a buddy, and I, I do that with my buddy over here, Evan, I call him all the time, and, and, like, hey man, I need some help with this, I need to work this through. And I, I just chat with him for 10 minutes, and he's like, yeah, you're kind of nuts, but don't worry, this will help you. And he gives me some advice that's helping me with my mental health, which actually infects my whole Soul, etc. My whole mind, body, soul, etc. So here's here's the, what the World Health Organization says, and we're just, it's just echoing what we just mentioned earlier. Health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. So that's 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 health. Let me ask another question. That was great, Tommy. Thank you, Jared. I want to talk to Jared after this. That was good. Um, So what is evangelism? Now, this is a little more tricky. I don't have a World Health Organization quote for this one. This is where you help me out. If you're talking, I can't hear you over them, so just from the diaphragm. She said, communicating with others who Jesus is. Anyone else? Sharing the gospel, lovely. Anyone else? Meeting people in business—the lovely, lovely answer. Yes. Oh, let me let me do this. In your Bible, there are how many gospels? How many gospels? Yeah, four. Four main gospels. Yeah, we're not talking about that, that other kind of Bible. But if you look with me at Matthew twenty-eight, go flip with me. We're going to look at something in each of these gospels, in in, in rapid fire time because we have a lot to cover here. Matthew twenty-eight and. Verse 18, it says this, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. This is what we call the Great Commission. Every single gospel has this. And this one, his main uh, uh, action that he wants us to do is go teach. Go baptize. When you go to Mark 16, the end of Mark, it says something similar. Mark 16, we're going to look into the last few verses. If you could, I'm just going to read them so we can just keep going. It says this. In, March, uh, March, in, in Mark 16, verse 15, it says this. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says preach. The first one he said teach. When you go to Luke, the end of Luke, he says something similar. Luke 21 Excuse me, Luke 20. Did I say 21? I meant 20, 24. Verse 46. Now, Jesus is talking to, he's walking by the way, and he's, he's telling his disciples about what, what they should be preaching. He says um, that in verse 47 excuse me, verse 46, thus it was written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, etc. You are a witness of these things. And John says the same thing. The, the verse in, in, in John chapter 21 is basically Jesus comes in and he breathes on them and says, as, as the Father sent me, so send I you. We have these verses throughout the scriptures. And I'm just rushing a little bit here because I want to cover a little bit more than this. In here, in this text, we're seeing something interesting. That that the gospel or the delivery of the gospel is chiefly communication. If we distill it down into one single word, it's communication. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you communicate without speaking sometimes? Sometimes, if someone says something to you that's like, like, mm, I don't want. No, that's just. Or, or if someone says something that makes you happy, you don't. Sometimes you don't even have words. The tears flow, and you're just really happy. Now. Because I travel, I used to travel quite a bit with with my with doing mission work and, and things of that nature. I had the unique opportunity to put myself in situations where I could not communicate for myself. Has anyone ever had that experience where you just you couldn't talk, and you're just walking around trying to communicate stuff to people, like, and you're just you're, you're just. Put to this place where you can only grunt and like uh mm, uh mm, uh, and you're, all you're doing is just that kind of stuff, and it's really frustrating. And and sometimes, in, when I started learning a little bit of Spanish, I know a little bit of Spanish. When I started learning it, and I would hear the translators like, "That's not what I said." That's no, just and I would say, "I'll try to do it in Spanish." Like, no, that's just even worse. Never mind. Just I'm sorry, and and they they would just go go on and try to communicate for me. It would just be really tough. Can you imagine the frustration that God feels? God. Evangelism is God's method of communicating his love to the world. Are you with me? Evangelism is is, is his way of, of sharing his gospel, sharing his love to everyone. And we are the medium to do this. Are you with me? You and me are his mouthpieces. You and me are his hands. You and me, we are the ones that express this love to the world. And what happens when we don't do it? I I can imagine just a little bit of how he feels when I couldn't communicate when I'm I'm in these foreign countries. And and the concept of evangelism, if we distill it down to its most basic element, is communication. And it's it's expressing the love of God. That being said, now that we've looked at, at both of those two things, since health cannot be relegated to just food and evangelism shouldn't be just relegated to just you know teaching preaching just just these general things but evangelism can actually also mean you know just a smile just just something very simple of that nature i want to show you something else every person in the world this will help uh, clarify a little bit more of what we meant every person in the world can be put on a scale of zero to ten there's zero well not yet Just give it a second. It comes through. There it is. Every person in the world is on a scale of 0 to 10. Let's say 0 equals atheist and 10 is someone ready for baptism. How many of you met someone who is a 3 today? Anyone? It's kind of hard at GYC. Okay, good. Awesome. How many of how you many met someone who is maybe on your travels here, You maybe went to the gas station, maybe you did, I don't know, whatever you did. You, you met someone who is in this place here. Yes, you probably did, in the airplane, in, in your shuttle bus, or, or, or on the way somewhere. You met someone like this. Now, I'll tell you a quick story of what not to do with this kind of information. Now, my family, what we do, what we do a lot of the time at, at home, we, we, or at our home church, we see a visitor in the, in the crowd like, oh, hey, let's sit next to them, and let's bring them home for, for, for lunch. Now, I have a confession to make. My mother is one of the best vegetarian cooks in the world. None of you can convince me otherwise. She is just amazing. She cooks up the the best tofu, whatever. I don't even know how she does it, but I just eat it, and it's wonderful. So what we do, we invite people over, and and they're like, oh, what is this? This this chicken is great. It's like, it's not chicken? Like, what? And they get mind blown. Um, Now, what happens, we bring them to the house, they eat, and we invite some other friends to the church. I read a study, I think it was in the Adventist Review a couple years back, it says, the statistics show that if one person, a visitor, makes seven friends in their first visit to a church, the likelihood that they'll be baptized goes up by like tenfold. Catch that? So be friendly to the visitors in the church. That's, that's one lesson. But, but here, what we did was we made sure that they're going to meet the seven people at our house. We take a bunch of people from, from the church. We include food. And we say, hey, welcome. And we try to keep the conversation something that's really interesting for them. So what we do is this. We, 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 brought, them, we brought this one guy t- to church one time. He's like, how'd you hear about it? It's like, well, I read in the, read in the Bible Exodus 20. talks about the Sabbath. And I saw you guys are seven-day events. And I Googled it. And it, the, the, the stars just aligned, basically. And he just came to our church. Great, we said sit down and come into the house he's like great and he says free food i didn't expect that he got the best vegetarian meal he had in his life um but what happened after the meal was really disheartening one of the elders at the church he sat down next to the guy after lunch He's like oh that was a great lunch he's like and he looked and the guy's like yeah it was really good and he's like he's just smiling at him so how'd you hear about the church and he told him his whole story he's like oh yeah exodus 20 but there's more and then he began to take an AK-47 of truth and drrr, riddle this man with all the truths he can think of. And do you know about Ellen White? And do you know about this? And do you know about this? And wait, the 2300 days. And do you know about this? He be, it's like he has the 28 fundamental beliefs right in his back pocket. And he's like, hey, smack, smack. And he basically says, I need to take you from maybe wherever you are here and take you to here in the space of 20 minutes. This is not our calling, friends. Now God probably will. He could potentially put you in a situation where one unique situation where you you you're, you find a person here and that person is in just the right place to be moved very quickly up here. But a lot of evangelism is doing the groundwork, bringing people by increments closer and closer to Jesus. Can you say Amen? So the concept here is that we are our calling in life is to bring people closer and closer. Now. Let me be honest with you. A lot of traditional evangelism methods only focuses on people that are about here. What do we mean? We send out flyers, we send out these leaflets that say, uh, come to this evangelistic series, and, 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 and the people have to be interested in either prophecy, history, or one of these unique things. and they have to be, they have to be into it already, and then we kind of bring them the rest of the way through bible studies through the evangelist series etc But what about these people who aren't really ripe fruit who who need to be some time to be worked with they need to be expressed they need the love of god expressed to them to be able to be in a place where they're interested in baptism or interested in jesus well this is where health evangelism comes in now let me share with you this ellen white says this about health evangelism it is the pioneer work of the gospel what kind of work the pioneer work of the gospel it is the gospel what is that word practice the compassion of Christ revealed of this work that there's great need and the world is open for it god grant that the importance of medical missionary work shall be understood and that new fields may be entered immediately i want to keep, keep hold in on two key words here it is the what kind of work now when you think of a pioneer what comes what do you think of it's the first thing you do it's it's basically for instance let's say that this Let's go back 300 years, and let's say this is just a grassy field. And if I needed to cross the grassy field, I'd probably need a knife or something like that. I would need to go in front of the, the, the weeds and the grass I need to cut through to get where I need to go. Now, I wouldn't think to drive a car through that grassy field. If Well, maybe I would if I was not really thinking. But, but I, I, it wouldn't work. I would need a road. I would need something more, more stable. So if we are wanting to do effective ministry, we would do first... The pioneer work or, or the, the, the gospel, you know, medical ministry, etc. And, and notice what else it is. It is the compassion of Christ revealed. Most people, and I heard this quote from a buddy of mine years ago, most people do not care how much you know about prophecy, about, about the Bible, but they really want to know how much you care about them. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's the quote. So here the idea is when you show them the love of God repeatedly, just and this is who you are they get really thrown off they're like wow this is interesting i want to know more about this gospel that makes you act the way you act now let me show you another quotation here now in reference to health ministry it says this christ's method alone will give what kind of success it says true success in reaching the people the savior mingled with men as one who desired their good he showed his sympathy for them ministered to their needs won their confidence then he made them follow me now, if you had to, if you had to, to break up this se- into sections, how many sections do you see here? Are you still with me or are you kind of sleepy? It's okay. Yeah, five. Okay. Let's look at the first one. This first sentence doesn't count because it's just telling you his method will work. The second sentence where it really starts. The Savior did what? He mingled with men as one who desired their good. What else did he do? He showed sympathy. Now, back in Ellen White's time, they didn't really have the word empathy where you're just like really emoting with someone. But this is what she really meant, emote. Like you're able to like, yeah, I get what you're coming. I get where you're coming from. That, that emoting process. He, number one, he mingled. Number two, he, he showed sympathy. He had empathy for them. And number three, what did he do? He ministered to their needs. Number four, what did he do? He won their confidence. And f- finally, what did he do? Now, out of these five things, Which of these things are directly, obviously, explicitly evangelism? Oh, yeah, okay. You guys are, I like you guys. Now, check this out. When I when we think of evangelism, when I think of evangelism, when I used to think of evangelism, I thought evangelism was passing was was merely uh, uh, preaching, teaching, knocking on doors, and this was what evangelism was. But I'd never had the notion that evangelism could simply be as could be as simple as making someone feel a little bit better. Do you know what I'm saying? Bringing someone from that zero to maybe that 1.5 or something of that nature. That evangelism was, was simply being in the right place at the right time, mingling with someone, having the, a word in due season. might not even be a scripture, but it could be simply... It's going to be okay. Hand on the shoulder. That could be evangelism. Now, now, when we look at this, this implicit evangelism, it's evangelism, but it's not as explicit. It's not as overt as this other type of evangelism. When we look at this mingling, is that really explicitly I'm preaching to you? No. When you look at, 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 at showing sympathy for someone, is that explicitly evangelism? Not really. When you minister to needs, depending on the types of needs, if someone's like, oh, my knee hurts, and you give them an ice pack, is that explicitly evangelism? There's no Bible involved with that. No, in winning confidence, that's not explicitly evangelism. Actually, when you, when you look at this, the implicit side of things, it, it's far heavier than the explicit side of things. So when you see the, the ratio of implicit evangelism to explicit evangelism that Ellen White presents here as Christ's method, majority of the stuff that is done is implicit, The heaviest lifting in the evangelism balance, I guess if you want to say, is done on the side that doesn't look like evangelism. Are you with me? You guys are looking at me like I'm kind of crazy. Let me show you another chart so we can get get that out of our... Let's go here. So again, we're looking at implicit and explicit evangelism. So what do we mean? So we mean when we look at evangelism... When we look at, at, at kind of the flow and way, the way it should go, we have first contact. And what this is what I like to call first contact outreach. This is when you just simply meet someone for the first time and you just, I, I can't think of a better way of saying this, so forgive me. You would just butter them up. And I don't mean that in, 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 a, in, a, in a salesman type way, like I'm going to sell you a used car. Not that kind of way. But what I, what I mean is you meet them, you connect with them, and, and you, you try to, to build a friendship. Because... This whole thing, evangelism in its nature, is built on making connections. It's built on, on becoming friends. It's built on, on, on that first contact. So it's built on knowing how to have a conversation. How many of us know how to have a conversation? Wait, have you afraid of it? No, no, none of us? I, I, I saw eight people in the front say yes. Um, so it's really simple. There's levels of conversation. I didn't put it here because I thought most of us know how to do it. But let's just do it really quick. Let me see what time I have. I have a little time. So there's levels of conversation. There's like your, your generic level. You know when you're on the train, you're on the plane, you're in your automobile, you're just stopping by something. You're on the train and you're like, hey, how's it going? Now, generally, people don't wait for the answer. They're like, oh, okay, okay, bye. Because they don't expect you to respond with how they're actually doing because it's a cliche. That's the first level of the onion of conversation. You can peel back the next layer. Once you get past that onion of conversation, the cliche, the general stuff, you go into information. You go into, yeah kind of hot in this train, isn't it? Isn't that kind of the natural outflow? You go to cliche, information, and then you go to opinion. Ooh, that was a crazy election we just had. What do you think? I'm not, I'm, this is not, I'm not endorsing or, anyway, let's, let's get away from that subject. Anyway, so opinion. So you have the cliche, you have information, you have opinion, then you go to feeling. How do you feel about fill in the blank? And then the, finally, in the crux of the matter, when you get to the very center of the onion, onion's not a really nice description of the center, but it's, it's, it's all I got. It's the heart, the necessities, the actual needs that the person has. Like someone, someone came to me not too long ago, hey, man, I'm really having trouble with this thing. Now, what if I do this? What if I walked up to, I know you folks here, what if I walked up to you? I'm sorry, camera. What if I walked up to you and said, hey, um, how are you feeling today? But that'd be kind of weird. I know we're at GYC. You'd probably be open to that here because, you know, we're all Christian folks here. But if I walked up to a random stranger on the train and asked a young lady, hey, how are, you, how are you feeling today? She'd probably be like, bruh, it's not, nah. Uh-uh, we can't do, no. You, smack, I got a boyfriend. That's exactly what you'll say. Now, that's, the, that's what will happen. So don't do it. So the, the, the layers help in terms of this first contact outreach. Now, what helps is understanding, knowing that health evangelism isn't merely dealing with, hey, eat this or hey, do this whatever thing with your health, but actually it deals with your mental state of being, your physical state of being, your spiritual state of being. When it deals with these kind of things, it's helpful to to know that I can lead from that first introduction of friendship to something a little more substantial, like, hey, you know, um, how, how, when you when you get past that that introduction, that friendliness, that 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 that. What am I saying? When you get past that, you can go into something a little more deeper, and we'll, we'll talk about that actually right now. So again, we're looking at this, at this chart here, of implicit to explicit. So here's some ways you can do connected health evangelism. So health expos are really impo- really cool. Wellness coaching, and and these are some programs you can actually implement that are that are really explicitly implicitly evangelism explicitly health related that you can do in your communities that were really helpful what else can you do you can do cooking schools you can do nutrition seminars you can do dinner with the doctors we've probably heard of that before we can do stop smoking programs we can do let's see we can do disease prevention seminars we can do natural remedies seminars we can do eight weeks to wellness programs and there's really to be honest these seminars t- type things that you can do in like group settings are, are really limitless is what your what your creativity can li- is, is the, your creativity is the only limit of what you can do so you start off with a health expo, which I think is the entering wedge for the entering wedge. Basically, you start with a health expo, do it in a crowded area, at a mall, a park, or just a really big area with lots of people. And from here, you're able, to take, you're able to say, hey, well, we have a cooking school in two weeks. Or, hey, we have a nutrition seminar in a week or two. And you register them right on the spot at the health expo, connecting them to the series of events you have. And what I would, what I would do is if you're going to have a cooking school, to connect that to a nutrition seminar or, or do one of these programs in, in, in connection with them and say, well, after you do this, well, in two weeks we have a, this type of program or in three weeks we have a, this type of program. Always leading them again to the next program. This is kind of the way to do it. Now, there's more to this. You lead them into something like a stress management program where things become to get a little more explicit because how do you, how do you as a Christian deal with Stress. I mean, I do. I pray. Um, and I think you do, too. You pray. Or depression recovery. I, I, as a Christian, because, I mean, everyone, everyone goes through dark moments. What do you deal with? How do you deal with your, your, your depression? Well, these are we have Christian answers to these types of issues. But these are, are still a little... These, these issues are, are not as explicitly religious. Now, when I continue here... By the way, if you need this presentation, uh, Merry Christmas, I'm going to give it to you. Just just come, We'll talk about that a little afterwards. Um, next one... As as we go a little more into the explicit side of things, you have your social seminars like financial health, uh, family wellness. You can do these kind of programs at your church and things of that nature. Um, You can do Bible studies, which your Bible studies can still be in that middle middle area where you're talking about still history type of things. You can talk about emotional well-being through the Bible, etc. But that can also lead you into something more uh, solid, something more, more explicitly evangelistic. Now, leading from there, you go right to your evangelistic series, and then you obviously, you follow that up with your baptism and discipleship, and then the cycle begins all over again. The new, the new baptism and discipleship folks, they're going to be doing the implicit evangelism at the other, side, other, top, other, other part of it. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Let me see here. So, let's look here at types of health evangelism. Types of health evangelism. Now, just to be really brief, there are three major types of health evangelism. Number one is personal health evangelism. We mentioned that a little bit with, with the communication, with the connecting with people personally. Um, there's also team-slash-group health evangelism. We mentioned that a little bit as well when we talked about you know, the different programs you as a church or you as a group can do. And we'll jump into that a little bit later, a, little more, a few more tangible things there. But there's also the institutional-type health evangelism that you can, as well, you can do as well. Now, what do we mean by that? Now, let me show you this. We see all these types of evangelisms right right here in this long paragraph. And I'll read it to you. It says this. During the past few years, the beehive in San Francisco has been indeed a busy one. Many lines of Christian effort have been carried forward by our brethren brethren and sisters there. These included visiting the sick and destitute, finding homes for orphans, work for the unemployed, nursing the sick, uh, teaching the truth from house to house, distributing literature, conducting classes on healthful living and care of the sick. A school for the children has been conducted in the basement of the Laguna Street Meeting House for a time a working man's home and medical mission was maintained. On Market Street near the City Hall there was treatment rooms operated as a branch of the St. Helena Sanitarium. In the same locality was a health food store near the center of the city not far from the call building was conducted a vegetarian cafe, which is open six days out of the week, entirely closed on the Sabbath. Along the waterfront, ship mission work was carried at carried on at various times. Our ministers conducted meetings in large halls in the city. Thus, the warning message was given by many. You see, there's so much effort and work that could be done. And, and here we see different things that could be done. Visiting the sick and destitute, that's something I can do personally. Finding homes for orphans, we can, we can try to do that, but there's organizations out there that, that help with that. That's a group type work. Work for the unemployed, nursing the sick, you know, teaching truth from house to house. You know, these are different things that can be done on a personal and team level. But when you look at, at this, a school for the children, that's not something I can just gather together a group of 20 people like, okay, let's do a school. Really, just, let's, just, uh, let's go to that library and create a school. That's an institution. A, a, a working men's home, which is basically a homeless, men's sh- homeless shelter, a medical mission, treatment rooms, health food stores, vegetarian cafes. These are, these are more institutional type things, and this still counts as health evangelism. Now, I'll share with you another quotation here um, from Council on Health, page 215. It says this, in all parts of the earth, they, that is us, are to establish sanitariums, schools, publishing houses, and notice this last sentence, and what is that word? Kindred, faci- kindred facilities for the accomplishment of his work. When we say kindred facilities, that gives us an open door for just about anything related to this kind of stuff. So what, what, what do we mean? When we say, Let's, for instance, let's say a restaurant. Let's say God wanted us to, to do a restaurant. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen plenty of good Adventist restaurants close. How about you? They're great. They're awesome. They sell great food, but it's, for some reason it's not able to sustain itself for whatever reason. Now, in my thinking, well, something that could be a little more sustainable is not a full-on restaurant, but maybe something as small as, well, Well, here's an example, a juice bar. I, I worked um, with a, a friend of mine. They started this juice bar. At the bottom of this corporation, it's called Press Together. And I hope Jared doesn't get mad at me. I'm mentioning this. I didn't ask him to do this. But he, had, he started a juice bar um, called Press Together where they do organic, cold-pressed juices, really tasty stuff. They did it at the bottom of this, of this building where there's hundreds of employees, and they just sold great juices, and you know, they, people just flock to it. It's just at the bottom, like, oh, no coffee shop? Great, I get a get a get a green juice instead. And they just go for it. They just guzzle the stuff down. It's amazing. And, and this is this is just a different way of doing an institutional ministry. It's just really good. And there's other. There's so many ways you could do a, a sandwich shop with your veggie meats instead of the the, the other stuff. You could do if you if I know I'm Jamaican. I would love to have a a patty a shop. A, you know, you know. Soya patty. Thank you, brother. Amen. You know, you have different types of ways of doing these. And, and the only limit is your imagination and your mind. You can do so many things that is, that's, that's a business that you can actually sustain yourself on and still help people. Are you with me? Okay, good. Now, I want to go back to a concept I mentioned previously in terms of team health evangelism. And I want to show you, I think it's, a, it's not a novel idea, but I think it's something that has been not used as much. A community health club. Now, what does that look like? Now, a community health club has different aspects of what we already mentioned. The community health club would do a health expo. They could potentially do a wellness coaching for individuals that would like it. They can do cooking schools. They can do nutrition seminars. They can do dinner with a the doc. They can do all of these types of programs we mentioned previously. And... and it's just really, it's just a really easy way to, to help people with their health. A lot of times, people don't want to come to the church for these types of things because the church has a negative uh, opinion in their mind. But if you say, if you say, the na- take the name of your church, let's say my local church is called Decatur Seventh Day Adventist Church. It's in DeKalb County, Georgia. It's all the way down there in another part of. The, of, of well, that's that's fine. It's it's another part of the uh, of, of the world. But if I were to take this concept of of health clubs and I would just take the name of my church, the Decatur Health Club. And just get my own little branding. And you can, get, you can do that yourself or you can find someone who can do it for you. Um, all you got to do is just just create the flyer. Say, hey, we're meeting at this local community center. You can do, there's recreation centers all around everywhere uh, or a YMCA or even in the fellowship hall of your church. When you do all of this stuff, you, you can just go ahead and present this to them and say, hey, we're doing a health expo. Come on out and just invite them. Get involved with the community and they'll love it. And they'll absolutely love it. I think my computer died, but that's okay because I was just—I was really just tying up some a few last things. I want to tell you a story really briefly, and then we'll we'll just tie it up here. Now, I I got the opportunity early on in my life to go to India to work as a medical missionary, and I was there for about a year. Um, and one of my friends, his name was Andrew Jones, he was knocking on doors door to door doing medical missionary work, and I, I thought that was amazing because. He barely knew the language. He was just starting to get the language. And he's just saying, well, I'm going to try. And he's knocking on doors saying, can I help you with your health? Can I help you with your health? Can I help you with anything that you need? And this man, this man was just had this terrible back pain. he's like, oh, yeah, my back is just uh, terrible. But as Andrew scanned the room, he noticed there's all these idols everywhere. And Andrew was impressed. Now, Andrew normally doesn't do this kind of stuff. But Andrew was impressed. You need to be, be very direct with this man. And Andrew was impressed to say, my God is way more powerful than all of your other gods. Now, idols are just all around the wall, just everywhere. And, and Andrew was impressed to say, my God's more powerful than your gods. He can fix your back. And the man's like, taken aback, like, oh, really? He's like, yes. He says, watch. He's like, and, he, and he says, let me pray for you. Let me do some treatments for you. And let's see what happens. So Andrew prayed for the man. And the man said, "Okay." And Andrew gave the man a back massage, because that's a part of health health evangelism as well. And Andrew put a hot fomentation, a hot towel on his back as well, because that's a part of health evangelism. And Andrew talked with the man, helped the man feel a little better. He says, I'll be back in three days, and we'll see how how your back feels. Just keep on putting the hot towels on your back, and we'll see what happens. Andrew came back in three days, and he walked inside the house. The walls that were so full of colors and different idols were all bare. He, He didn't have any time to put anything else up yet. And, and as he walked, in, Andrew's like, "What happened to all the different guys?" He's like the man's saying, "Look, look at my back." He's like, "I, I, I can, I can. Your God is way more powerful than my God. Simply from health." I have another story. Like this is, and this is actually from my own personal experience. I was ministering in Haiti. Um, after the earthquake, um, a couple years, maybe a year after the earthquake, we were doing health evangelism on an, isle, an island off the coast of Haiti, which is also part of Haiti, called the Isle of Tortue, the Isle of the Tortoise, if you're being particular. And, and we flew there in a little airplane. I hate small planes. I actually hate every type of plane because I don't like flying. But uh, I flew to that small little, small, uh, uh, flew from Port-au-Prince to Port-au-Pay. From Port-au-Pay, we had to get on this little boat. The boat is probably as long as this, these couple chairs right here. And we're just, the waves are so big, we're just like, whoa. Okay, and we finally get to the port, we got to the port, and when we're at that port, we start walking up and down the streets saying, does anyone need help with your health? House to house work, simple, simple stuff. And we're knocking on doors, and every single house invariably had an issue with their health. There's only one hospital on that small little island, and it's all the way on the mountain, and if you're really sick, you can't really get up there. And so we were just trying to just help people with their health in a very simple way. And most people just are, were dehydrated or just didn't have access to good nutrition. All we were doing is helping them with the simple things that we, we knew to help them with. But at the same time, during the day, we would do this, this health health door-to-door work, and in the evenings, we would do evangelistic series. And and one time, one day, it was like a third... What was. The day is important. It was, a, it was a Thursday night, and we were knocking on doors, and we finally came to this door, and this lady says, oh, my head is killing me. Oh, my goodness. It's terrible. I was like, well, did you drink water? Like, yes, I've drank water. Did you do this? Yes, I did that. It's like, well, here, let's do a hot foot bath for you. So it's a type of hydrotherapy treatment. We put her feet in hot water, put, put, put a, wrap her body in a blanket, put a cold on her head, and what this does, this is a not super technical at all, but I call it the toothpaste effect. So hot hot water ca- causes what we call vasodilation. Was that word? Yeah, you got it better. But yeah. Makes your vessels go big. And cold water causes vasoconstriction. Was that word? There it is. There it is. So we put hot on the feet, warm on the body, cold on the head, and what happens is what I call the toothpaste effect, you know... The derivative affects the official name, blood kind of gets away from the from the head and moves through, circulates evenly throughout the body. Now we did this for her, and this generally helps with headaches or any kind of ache for that matter, but she 's like, "Well, okay, this, I feel better now, and we left, and as we 're leaving, we were impressed the next day to you know just go back and visit her. She came back we came back we're like, "How are you feeling now? I feel better? I feel fine, but really, I hear you guys are doing programs in the evening. A Bible program's like yes we 're doing Bible programs. Um, what do you what do you think about 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 eating pork? He's like, well, I mean, what well, if you look here? It's just and she's like, she's like, oh, oh yeah, you're right, yeah. Well, my, my church doesn't teach that. Well, what do you think about about do, about um what else did she say? She said eating pork. She said, what do you think about uh, about about eating this thing or or wearing that thing or or doing this thing or, or or doing that thing? And every single time we're like, I mean. If you just look at this verse over here, it's just, and she's like, yeah, what? okay, I'm coming tonight. I'm coming tonight. And you're going to, I want to hear a little more. And so that night, it was funny. She didn't come with us the night before because that night there was no, there was no program. It's Thursday night. We take the day off. But Friday night we had a program. And that Friday night we were talking about the true church and Bible prophecy. We we're talking about Revelation 12. And as, as we opened up the scriptures that night, we made an appeal. And do you know that almost no one got up for that appeal? except for her. It was because of, of doing door-to-door health evangelism work in that area that she was inspired to say, hey, they're not just about health, they do other things too. And, and it, it put the wheels in, in motion in her head, like, we can do, I, I, let me ask them about, about some questions I have in the Bible. And she really tried to trip us up, but it didn't, but we just like, well, you know. And because of that, God was able to use that opportunity to bring her to his church, to bring her to his His. It's true church and Bible prophecy. You know, as I'm wrapping up here, because I think my my clock is dead, um, but what if, and this is just a what if, what if the church was known for not just talking about God, but being about God? What if when people drove past the the community centers, drove past our churches, they would think, oh, that's a powerful community center. My my child can get their GED there. Or my child can get, get, get help there. Or, or man, look, I, I can get my blood pressure checked there if I wanted to. Or if I have an issue, any type of issue, the first thought is to go to the church rather than anywhere else. What if the church was radically different in the minds of the people that are, are around us? I think that health evangelism, and, and not just health evangelism like let's talk about tofu, but health evangelism, let's talk about the mind, body, soul. Let's reach people in a very comprehensive way. I think that type of ministry, done effectively, can actually change the way people see the church and, in effect, change the way people see God and, in effect, change the way the world is. So I have maybe a solid six minutes left, and I'm done. Um, So do you guys have any questions, maybe, comments, concerns, anything? to To start with... Did you hear his question? He said, if you've never done anything like health evangelism before, what's a good starting point? My opinion, my opinion, there's, there's a few things you can do. Number one, assess yourself. Know where your strengths and talents lie. Do you know in, in the last, Jesus' last sermon in the book of Matthew was Matthew 24 for the most part. He talks about signs of the end and all, what, you know, this is going to come and that's going to come and this is going to come. And then he sums up this, 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 this sermon with three parables. He does the parable of the first one, who knows which one it is matthew twenty five forget it 's okay. I have like three minutes left. Um, the first parable is is the the, the, the virgins, and the, that first parable, the whole point of that parable is to be ready. The second parable then goes into how we ought to be ready. it is we 're given all given talents so don 't d- disabuse your mind of any concept that people tell you that you know uh, oh, in order to be ready for the last days, you have to do a lot of absurd things. i mean you do, kind of, but not really. I mean, the way God, Jesus outlines for us to live in the last days is to live, to be ready by do, using our talents for God. Does that make sense? I, I really summed up a 30-minute talk in just 25 seconds there. But, but the concept is that, that in the end times, we ought to be ready. In order to be ready, we got to be using our talents. And for who? The last parable tells us the sheep and the goats. What is the difference between the sheep and the goats? The sheep say... You know, Lord, I didn't see you. I just did what I thought was right because I wanted to help people. That's in my heart. The other group says, you know, Lord, I didn't see you there. I would have done it if I saw you there. One person needs to be motivated by seeing Jesus. The other person says, I just help people because I love people, period. So the whole point of that last little bit is be ready by using your talents to help others, period. Now, so the first step in doing this kind of ministry is, number one, knowing what your talents are, knowing how, how, what God has given you to bless the world with. That's really helpful because then you can say, okay, well, I can use this to, let's say, I'm going to use you as an example, Evan, because I, I know you probably the best out of anyone in this room. Evan Evan does a wonderful job with photography, graphic design. Um, now, this is how he ministers to the world. I mean, did you, you, do, did you do stuff for GYC this year? He, he, did the, he did the theme and all that stuff. It looks great, doesn't it? It's awesome. And, and he's able to, to minister to, to not only this, but other ministries through the same exact process. Why? Because he found his God given talent that God has given him. I said that twice, that's redundant, but he found his, his gift that God has given him and he's using it to minister to others. Now, all of us have something similar like that. I mean, ask anybody. The, the, everyone has a gift. Some, some is speaking, some is that, some is anything. You can find your gift and, and God will use you to the best of his ability, not yours. Um, another, another thing you can do, I mean, there's different uh, courses. Um, health evangelism courses. You can just Google it. Um, the one I was most affiliated with was Wildwood. Um, they have online stuff. They have online courses as well. They have um, on-campus courses. You know, these are, these are good places you can go to do that as well um, if you want to get into it. But the first step always is understanding who you are so you're able to better affect the world around you. Any other questions in my last two minutes? Yes. you don't want to start diagnosing people or you know, like you don't want to church to know, you know, there are people who may be able to check blood pressure and stuff like that. You know, like how do you I guess deal with I mean this problem is not really a health condition, but it's fine. So the camera in this, I, I'm not, I can't repeat at all what you said because it was a great question. It was really just robust. But um, to, to, to just give you a quick answer, it's really important to know that there is a place for doctors. There is a place for nurses. There is a place for health care professionals in this type of work. But for the majority of us that are lay people who aren't doctors, health professionals, we do have constraints on what we can and cannot do. We're not diagnosing anyone. We're simply helping people with the little that we have and the little that we know. And it's really just hey, you know, I heard that this, and I read in this book that this is really good for that. You might want to give it a shot, or I wouldn't even say that much. Um, but it, it's, there will always, whenever there are new ideas, there's always going to be red tape and bureaucracy that you have to find, kind of navigate and deal with, and the best way I found to deal with that is just simply, you know, just being open, humble, and patient, because, sometimes you just got to deal with people in their own way and then eventually they'll warm up to it you you just you say okay we're going to compromise in the middle meet somewhere in the middle and you do something for a little bit and then finally oh well let's try that remember you said that thing last time let's try that this time and it it moves on i know it's really tough sometimes to not yeah we're going to change the world yeah let's do it now but sometimes it's really good to work not sometimes it's really important to work in conjunction with other folks who Um, might be a little more cautious and hesitant because sometimes it works and that's it for my time if you have questions I'm here but not here Um, I'll be in the back for like a few minutes and then my email address you can reach me at Sean S-H-A-W-N Michael M-I-C-H-A-E-L Craig C-R-A-I-G that's Sean Michael Craig at gmail.com you can reach me there if you have a question about health evangelism or yeah. yeah feel free and if This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.